In this episode of Josh Reed's Other People's Published Poetry, I'm going to be reading The Red Queen by Liam Guyler from his latest collection of poems, A Presentment of English Free. And a quick side note, there will be no commentary. It's just going to be reading the poem. Enjoy. The Red Queen, The Bronze Age, 1. Where the morning light slabs off the water, a broken, blinding dazzle, along the wharf the empty wooden ships tug at their moorings on the tide like sleepy dogs testing their chains. The sunlight coming off the bay burns the eyes until at noon a man finds shelter in a tavern where the wine is sour, the bread stale, but the storytellers talk of ictus, hard travelling for the best of tin. One trip will set you up for life, if the captain and his crew are bold, and you survive. Albion, island of fog and rain, where the painted people worship their red queen. She eats men at the equinox. Earth mother, earth goddess, a nightmare bitch in barely human form. They pause and pass the wine. Torchlight, under the trees, in her sacred grove by the stones of sacrifice with the heads of her enemies keeping their blind watch, impaled on the rings of blood-caked poles. Few have made the journey, sun-baked, salted men, patient and watchful, should one be present. Nods, smiles, says nothing. Why spoil a story that keeps the fools at home? Comes a merchant with some goods to barter, buying drinks in search for information eager for hard travelling. Addicted to the long journey, the prize of flicker on the border where the daylight world blurs into myth and nightmare. Panning for gold amongst the dross, knowing a well-told lie is as plausible as the hesitant truth, and often more believable. There are two ways to reach Ictus, says the local expert. Both are long and hard, and both are dangerous adds another. Sail west through the pillars of Hercules into the raging swirl of ocean. Head north, keeping the coast in sight until you see white cliffs to the west. Run hard for them. Turn south and west again along the fractured coast. Or head inland. Load your cargo onto mules. Hire muscle against sudden ambush. From village to village, where you will be welcomed, follow the rivers over the watershed until you reach the sea, then find a ship with a strong crew and a skilled captain. Either way, you sniff along the coast until you see the beacon lights lit when the season's right. Calculate profit against cost and risk. What tips the balanced scale? To measure everything learnt and known against the unpredictable and succeed, the pleasure of it doing, salted by fear? Courage without calculation is rank stupidity. Risk without awareness is a fool blundering blindfold on a cliff edge. The men whose ships rot with their corpses on the seabed, calculated risk. Skill against circumstance. Those who lose have nothing to regret. Better to go down on the long voyage out than grow old at home. He followed the trade route inland, 
pack mules and armed guards, the excitement of beginning blurring into drudgery. Over the watershed, risking the winter crossing, it was so cold that language froze. High on the pass, around their campfires, lips moved but no words cracked that silence. Slaves perished. Some turned back. But sure-footed guides, their confidence a mystery, stepped into fog on the nebulous path. Their animals fearful, reluctant but leading down out of the clouds, into the wooded valley. The river still frozen, ice on the rocks. They shook with the fierce elation of surviving terror. The wary hospitality of strangers in wooden shacks where hidden children watched the travellers every move. Nights without sleep, fear of robbery and random meetings on the road where journeys intersect. Snippets of a story that move on. Huddled around inadequate fires at night, remembering sunlight, but holding to the line drawn on the rough wooden table by a grubby finger. To reach the unfamiliar coast where the light comes off grey water. Here, the wind carries the smell of recent rain and the fading taste of winter. Wood smoke stings the nostrils, cutting the dull stench of wool that never dries. Here men huddle along the wharves, shivering for the sailing season. For the storms to cease, for the wind to die in turn. Their myths are of the amber to the north and the spice trail to the east. The crossing to Albion, their commonplace. A few have made the longer haul to Ictus. How to choose a captain and a crew? Athena does not guide his steps, nudge his elbow, or whisper in his ear. How to tell a brave man from the reckless fool, the expert from the actor? Easy in a crisis, but that's a bad time to learn that you were wrong. Again, the merchant patiently sifts the stories. Clatter of laughter, stale smell of wine, the women for hire move around the tables, hover, moving on. Indifferent to their call, hooked on the erotics of profit and risk, the subtle rhythms of movement over distance, and once again, there comes a time to roll the dice. This captain was no different to the others. He had been to the Amber Coast and was ready to try the dash to Ictus. Intrigued by the challenge, willing to step off the edge of the world to see what lies over the lip. Deal done. The sailing, he explained, the course outlined in detail. You will see two fires. One on Ictus, one on the mainland. At low tide, a man can walk between them if he knows the route and hurries. Step wrongly, loiter, and he dies. The rules of trade remembered and rehearsed, but then a softer voice. There are strange things that happen there. Strange Gentle things, you will remember, and yet not believe. Swift black ships on a wine-dark sea, my calloused ass, my cracked and bleeding hands. Whoever sang that line never found it on the wrong side of a headland with the wind on shore, a sludging swell the colour of a hangover trying to wretch them up onto the rocks. All hands to fend her off, and pray to whatever god was listening to shift the wind around before her timbers stove or moved, sun starved and shivering, when holding a course was wishful thinking through the ash-grey fog, each oar dip amplified by the dense and sodden silence they were clawing through. 3. The painted people 
had been waiting, a vibrant hedge along the clifftop. Drums, horns, cries of welcome. To show them kindness, help them drag their ship up on the shelving beach and set up camp out of the wind. Clear, unobstructed views. The grey sea, forever driven to the land which sends it back, unwanted, a hail of birds above the headland, the dark green roll away beyond towards the forest as a dark strip on the skyline. In the shelter of the stones, on the gravelled space smoothed by centuries of trade, they spread their wares. Tin and food, and the trade was good, both sides trusting to the courtesies, mutual pleasure, mutual profit. Fair exchange, no robbery. With their sitting to one side, armed and patient should the visitors betray their welcome. On the night after they were done, the islanders appeared around their campfires. Fantasy made flesh, stepping from the shadow world. There was fresh food, strange drink, music, and women eager for sex. But the Red Queen bade the captain follow. Knowing his death was present, he left the music, laughter, the naked bodies moving on the firelight's edge, the singing drunks, stepped into darkness. Torches along the causeway, water lapping close, cutting against distant surf, across the arrhythmic splash of their wading. The headland with its beacon fire rising upward, shelving beach, hard sand to soft, and the steep path to the clifftop. The wind shook fire and moonlight, passing through the ghost fence, the dead face forward, dedicated to their watch. Here, said the queen, the sea will meet the land. The group waited in silence. Two upright stones, one capping them, but framing the darker slit of an entrance. She handed him a beaker full of wine. A door of ivory is moved aside. He stalled, confronting darkness. Go in. Be welcomed. We promise you no harm. Refuse our gift, insult our goddess, and you die here. The spears for emphasis. Better to meet death going forward. Better to die knowing than stranded on the outside of a mystery. Stooping, he squeezed himself between the fringe of grass and moss, smooth stone against his fingertips. Roof closing in, the drag on his calves telling him the floor was sloping down. Unsteady as the light behind him failed. He reached a narrowing and saw a dimmer light ahead. Twisting, he forced himself between the rocks, slippery with moss, the water dripping from above. New, he merged into space. Dizzy, high above, a small hole admitted moonlight, the dim curve of the roof, falling circular space, and the figure waiting at its centre. Moonlit shadow and warm flesh, a female sitting on a bed of furs. Between them, a small brazier picked out the mask she wore, a hood with slits for eyes, nose, mouth, her long hair braided, falling down one shoulder to her naked breast. Welcome. Rippling around the cave, delayed echo, small hands scatter leaves onto the coals, frail strands of smoke struggled to climb the light and failed to reach the stars. A sudden taste of iron, lust 
slipping from the shadows, clawing at his throat, bent him double. On the edge of the whirlpool, he gave way to the drug that pulled him down, dissolved him as he flowed towards her. Welcome. Welcome. You are welcome. She rocked towards him as though pulling at a tether, her words shimmering on the catch of her own breath. An awkward blur of mouths, hands, his, hers, hard to tell, delirium, moonlight flesh and shadows turned to water. She smelt of fresh rain, grave earth, spring flood, sinuous, turbulent, strong. He held a river in his arms, carrying him as floatsome on its heaving surface until the ragged sound of his own breathing, like a ship's timbers rubbing against a wharf, broke the steady sound of the nearby sea. He will remember this night, the way you'd remember a dream twelve months after you woke from it, but nothing except his own death would ever be so real. At night, a man fleeing from hounds and the hatred of his enemies through tangled undergrowth, wading through streams, mired, strength gone, breath lost, legs burning, shaking, stands sobbing on the wrong side of a door, knows rest and safety are inches more than he can go, but cannot wake the watchman who will let him in. He batters at the door, is still battering when the dogs drag him down and tear his flesh to gobbets. Frantically trying to reach that place where desire might be erased, where indifference might be possible. Masked face turned away, the long curve of her throat, small sounds pleasure torn, like dark birds startled into flight, rising at dusk over bright water. 4. The morning, familiar as cold stone, rain drifting through the smoke hole in the roof, the chamber damp and hard and stale. His body ached, pain behind his eyes, a strange taste in his mouth. The wine? He scrabbled towards daylight, wondering if he'd died. But surely, no cold rain fell in heaven. Outside, one man, leaning on his spear, watching. Raindrops, beating on his nose, dripped from the hand that clutched the shaft. Three women waited. Mother, maid, and crone, patient as the stones they sat on. He saw his own death flickering on the edges of the light, but mother, maid, and crone gently led him to a hut he hadn't seen. Inside, the same sour smell of something on the brazier, warm water for his bath, oil for his skin. They washed and braided his long hair. This is how you prepare a corpse for burial. Last night, her hands, now theirs, the skilled indifference, wondering if one of them was she without the mask, if the rhythmic sound he heard was his death being honed. They sang as they worked, call and answer. He understood nothing. Gold anklets and a necklace made of gold studded with amber. Gold torques for his arms, rings, bracelets. All this without a word to him. This is how you prepare a corpse for burial. The old one pointed. When he saw the sack was full of tin, he took it, 
and went on his way. At low tide, in daylight, the causeway was no mystery. The journey back, much quicker than the journey out. The bodies of his crew lay scattered around the camp. No sign of any islanders. No sign they had been there the night before. He bent and touched the merchant, who groaned, clutching at his head. They had no proof their wondrous night was not a dream. He had no proof, except the sack of tin. When they awoke, baffled, enchanted, bedazzled, he shared the contents of the bag, not surprised there was one knuckle for each man. No more, no less. A wind to take them home was blowing steadily. The light was gentle on the water, soft as her hands where light and water meet, and something new is made that still remains unnamed. The queen said, You may not come this way again. We've made you rich enough to spend your life in comfort. No need to risk the sea, God's wrath, or gamble on the wind. I will return, he said, knowing he could not. It will never be the place you left. The purest water can only be polluted. A place of dreams that validates the risks you took and measured what you are? Once found, this is the place that you must leave. The memory that will measure every other day cannot itself be measured. You'll sail for Amber next time, if you sail at all. Go with our lady's blessing and our thanks. And if I tried to stay, we have already dressed your corpse. If after every storm, such shelter men would sail in search of cyclones. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my reading of The Red Queen by Liam Guyler from his latest collection of poetry, A Presentment of Englishry, which is now available on Amazon. Um, go and check it out. So yes, uh, thank you very much. As ever, I appreciate the time you take to listen to this podcast. And I appreciate it. Thank you.